anytime I sit down and write, even in those early books, uh, I, as I said, I always ended up writing probably places where I shouldn't have been writing sex scenes. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, nothing phased me. It's just like, if you're going to be dumb enough to read over my shoulder, you got it coming. Welcome to Steam Scenes, the podcast about... Wait, hold on. Sure, sex is, well, sexy, but it's also sassy, and it's silly, and it's fun. Hi, I'm El Greco, and I write steamy romance. On my podcast, Steam Scenes, I'm joined by my fellow romance authors for some explosive, <laughs> see what I did there? Conversations on writing all the naughty bits. Sit back, relax, and join us for some scintillating conversation on Steam Scenes. Sloane Steele is the pen name for contemporary romance author Shannon Schroeder. Sloane is a part-time English teacher, part-time curriculum editor, and full-time mom, even though her kids are pretty self-sufficient teens. In her downtime, she bakes cookies, reads romance, and watches far too much TV. Welcome, Sloane, to Steam Scenes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, Elle. I'm very excited to be here today. Very curious. What do you? What TV? I, I'm always looking for new shows. What's your favorite? When I say I watch far too much, like literally I could go on for days. Oh, <laughs> I, I, the DVR by far is the, like the best invention ever. Although we, we did cut the cord this year um, or late last year. So it's streaming, which it, it there's commercials, not as bad as regular TV. So it, I, I was really spoiled with the DVR because I could watch so much more TV because I never had to watch commercials. <laughs> Well, what do you, are you on Hulu? Is that where you're getting the commercials? I have, I, yeah, Hulu, we have Hulu, we have Netflix. Obviously, Netflix doesn't have commercials, so I like Netflix. Um, For a few and Par Paramount and stuff. Uh, know, yeah. so oh, we, you we have, have that, okay. We have, we have, like, a bunch of streaming, which is still cheaper than we were paying for cable, which is fine, but, Yeah. So yeah, I was kind of, well, I'm, you know, for a few dollars more, you can get Hulu without commercials, which is what we do. I know. And I, I, I've been thinking about it, but I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Let's see how many more streaming things that I end up adding to. Yeah. My <laughs> <laughs> so have you discovered anything? I'm just, I'm like, seriously, we're a big TV ha household too. And oh, like, you know, um, my daughter and I, I, my youngest is 16. And so we're always looking for like a show to binge. And we just finished, well, at least caught up to A Million Little Things, um, which is an ABC show. So we never watched from the beginning. So we just did. So that was actually really good, although kind of depressing. But, you know, because it starts with like the, one of the characters committing suicide right so, that's what I yeah I haven't watched that one yet because I was like yeah I don't I'm, I'm not ready I don't I'm not ready for <laughs> exactly. that <laughs> which, is why, which is why I was like I did not watch it the first time through but she's like a huge Grey's Anatomy fan so she's fine with all the depressing crap oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what I've been so I've been belatedly we just got into and it's like going off of Hulu this month so like we're like rushing through it is Hannibal oh you know what I watched part of the first season when it first aired and then I came back to it um I think it's I think the old seasons might be on Netflix and the dude is just creepy. Like, yeah, yes. <laughs> like I know he's Hannibal. He's supposed to be creepy, but you know, like I, like I know Hannibal Lecter from Silence of the Lambs, and he was 
creepy but charming. I can't like there's zero charm in this guy. He's just creepy. He is like super cold and he is a total like I don't know, is this sociopath, psychopath? I don't know what it and it is so gross. It is so gross. Like I and I can't stop watching. It is so disgusting. Yeah, see, I'd like to have, like, if I'm going to watch Serial Killer, I want him to have some charm. Like, it, uh, <laughs> Prodigal Son is awesome for that. And it, unfortunately, it just got canceled, for, so it won't have a new season. But it, it is, I love Prodigal Son because Martin Whitley is, like, he's he's a charming serial killer. Like, he's hilarious. <laughs> I think we're going to do Dexter next because we never got into that one either. We, we kind of, like, ran out of newer stuff, so now we're going back like through the archives and trying to figure okay, out, oh, I would we never suggest- watched that. Let's do that next. Skip the last season. Cause it's so bad. And he's coming. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was just, um, and part of like, it just got a reboot that's going to air later this summer. Okay. And so they're bringing Dexter back and I'm really looking forward to it because everyone, including like the, the stars of the show were like, okay, that was a really crappy ending for the show. Like, it was just so bad. It's kind of like Game of Thrones. Did you get into that one? No, I never did Game of Thrones. Okay, see, we, we, I was like totally obsessed with it, the books, the series. And that last season, I was like, I hate everyone. <laughs> I hate you all. Yeah, that, that was about, like Dexter just, it, it really went off the rails with weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, okay, so since we're talking TV... On a romance, steamy novel podcast, <laughs> do you have any, like, was there any adaptation of a romance novel that you've watched that you're like, yeah, that's really great. I really like that. Um, you know what? I've watched The Bridgertons and Virgin River and Sweet Magnolias, but I have to admit that I never read any of them. So I was coming into it as just a viewer, but... I think they were all done. Like Bridgerton's, I think were, was phenomenal. I have um, not I am, watched it yet. I'm not a historical romance person. That's part of it. Is like I can't read it. <laughs> and I shouldn't say I can't. It's very rare for me to read it. Like I have some right. friends who write it, and I will read. It. But it's like I always get hung up on that. Dude, they like didn't bathe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like so, so I get hung up on that in my own head. Um, so, um, but the Bridgertons sell it like, you know, and of course everybody's like, well, the rich people do. And I'm like, okay, but I don't want to read all about all the rich people. Um, but the Bridgertons very much, and I know a lot of viewers who came to it, not from as readers, right. were very much like expecting it to be like a regular TV show where we're going to get to see the same couple over and over again, where it's very much like that first season is a book, that couple got their HEA and next season is going to be a different couple. So you're not getting, you know, you're not going to get to see Simon again. So people are like, what? No. Um, I'm like, that's the way books work. (laughs) That is the way the books work. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. I watched, um, I have not watched Bridgerton. I did watch Virgin River and I just started uh, Sweet Magnolia. But Virgin River, I ha- and I'm the same with you. I have not read any of those books. After I watched the first season of Virgin River, I picked up the books, and the books are so different from the series. Yeah, I, that's what I heard. Like they were like kind of like because that's such a long series. I think they were picking and choosing different things from different books and bringing them into the season. Okay, because I didn't really read much about it. I just was sort of like flipping through. I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I was like, wow, I really like this for season one. And then I was like, I'm going to get the books. And I was kind of like, oh, this is really different. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that I, I heard from a couple of different people that it's like, oh no, that like happens way further on and they just brought it forward. And it's like, okay. So they, yeah, I've never read the book. I just, I almost the like the series better. Is that what to say? It's like blasphemy, right? Because I am one of those people who says the book is always better. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's probably why I didn't go back and read the book. Once <laughs> <I read> the <laughs> like, I feel, I feel like I'm admitting like a big, deep, dark secret when I'm like, I really, I liked the series better. <laughs> yeah. I haven't even finished the first book. And I think I bought like the, I bought the, the box set. Cause I was like, I, this, this, uh, this show is so good. So I ended up buying the box set and now I'm like, I can't even get through the first book. <laughs> yeah. See, that's why I just stayed away from going back to read them. The only thing I would say, the only time I've done that where I watched and then picked up the book uh, many years ago when True Blood came out and I was not at the time reading paranormal at all, but it was like, I, don't, I think when I say it was like, like a free HBO weekend or something and I was folding laundry and it was on, so I was watching it. it was, I'm like, vampires are not my thing. And then I watched the first episode, and I was, like, stuck. And I was like, oh, wait, wait, these are, these are books? <laughs> You're <laughs> like, oh, vampires are my thing. <laughs> right. So then I went and got the books. But in that case, the books were better than the, yes. than the, than the show. I uh-huh. actually loved them both equally. And I was writing urban fantasy at the time, um, which is actually how I started writing. And I was like obsessed with True Blood because it, I just thought the books were phenomenal. And I thought the series was really well done. Yeah, it was. There, I mean, there were some things that I didn't like, like towards the end. You yes. Know, again, again, when they start, you know, if, when it takes a while and you're in a few seasons and then you're like, hmm, I don't know about that. But yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely liked it. And I think that like the portrayal of the characters for the most part really did yeah. jive with the way the books were written. Yeah. Especially like that first couple of seasons. I do yes. think it kind of derailed yeah. towards the end. And I do know I stopped watching. I, I actually have not finished watching the series. Oh, I did. I, it was like one of those things that, you know, I, I like I had Couldn't to. Stop. Like I was, I, was, I was there that long. I had to. <laughs> I totally love that you're a TV nerd because I am too, and I try and hide it. <laughs> oh no, I I do not hide it at all. <laughs> Maybe I should be more open about it because I will like like my favorite thing to do is like oh a whole Saturday and it's raining. I'm just gonna sit here and watch TV all day. <laughs> I, I used to be able to do that, but then I went and had kids. So yeah, well, I mean, mine are older too now. So she, well, my my one, so she's kind of off on her own which is fine with me so I can watch some tv I can catch up <laughs> okay so you're an English teacher and uh curriculum you're in education yes. I, I'm guessing you had the writing bug early or am I making an assumption um I, no you're not making an assumption I mean I suppose you are but it's a correct assumption okay <laughs> <laughs> um so I always I, I wrote when I was younger um like little kid you know crazy stories whatever um, high school, I, w- I was a poet. Like that, that was my medium. I wrote poetry. There was something about playing with the conciseness of language, which of course now comes back to bite me in the ass. But, oh. um, <laughs> but I, I, I like could never do prose because I always felt like whenever I was writing dialogue, it sounded stupid and I hated it. So I avoided doing any kind of assignments where I was going to have to like write a story with dialogue and stuff, which is funny because now dialogue is my favorite thing to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And so I like they carried into college and, but I mean, like I walked into college knowing like I'm going to be an English teacher, high school English teacher. That's what I want to do. Um, 
and I knew people like, so I had friends in college who were education department and then English department and not too many of us overlapped for whatever reason. So it was like, uh, but I clicked with the, with the English people better, but they were all, I'm like, so what are you going to do with an English degree? I'm going to be a writer. And I'm like, what the hell? I want a paycheck. So I mean, I knew at 20, (laughs) (laughs) I want a regular paycheck, Um, which, which is where being the teacher came in. And then once I started teaching, like, forget it, there was no right. I mean, my writing was, you know, writing curriculum and grading papers and all of, and going back to school and then writing my own papers for my graduate degrees. So like I did not write at all for many years. Um, And so it didn't really come back until I was at home with my small children. So So did you, when you came to, you know, professional writing again later on, were were you still go, were you still plowing forward with poetry or when did you decide that you were going to go with novels um that was a total fluke um i came to the romance genre very late compared to most people again okay. i was at home with small children um and prior to that i was an english major so i read literature and you know all the dead white guys and like <laughs> that was i mean even that like that was even like my summer reading because like all through high school and college, not because I had to, but because I was very focused on, I'm going to be an English teacher. I have to like know all of these books because what if I'm expected to teach them and I've never read it? You like, must I know the through, canon, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I made it all through, all through high school, never having read um, Romeo and Juliet because I was in an honors track and we read, um, what did we read? Uh, so many other Shakespeare things. Um, probably the tragedy Merchant of Venice. We read Merchant of Venice. Okay. And so every other freshman read Romeo and Juliet. Of course I knew the story, but I never read it. Not that I ever tortured myself with that over the summer, but, uh, (laughs) but, but it was like that idea, like, what if someone expects me to teach a book that I didn't know? So I spent a lot of time reading all the the classics and, um, definitely turned my nose down at, you know, looked down at romance because, ew, um, when I was at home with my children, I started, I was reading like thrillers and suspense. Um, but I was reading like Tess Gerritsen and Iris Johansson. And, you know, so, so those were all writers and Tammy Hogue, those were all writers who came from romance and were writing like romantic suspense. Mm. I didn't know, I didn't know that's what it was. And so then, you're so you're kind of like knowledge of we're sort of the bodice rippers or yes, Daniel exactly. Steele or something like that. Exactly. So okay. it was like the skinny little Harlequin books and, you know, like what, how good, I never even picked one up, you know, and of course I was just captain attitude about it. Um, and so I was reading those, not knowing that it was romantic suspense. And um, then I, being the cheap person that I am when I was at Costco, I, it was like a, Two in one book by someone named Nora Roberts. <laughs> someone named Nora Roberts. <laughs> For real, I knew nothing. That's Remember, great. I, I only read the dead white guys. So, oh, I love it. So it was the return of Rafe McCade. I'll never forget. And I, I like, oh my God, fell in love. Really? Um, so the, 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 the second book was one of the other McCade brothers, probably Jared or something. It did not have as much of an impact on me as, as Rafe did. And I was like, oh my God, this is so good. And then I went to like Borders. I'm going to buy more books by this author. And lo and behold, where do I find her? But in the romance section. And oh my God, she's written 4 million books. <laughs> 
So, okay, so first of all, you're saying you had no idea. Like, that gives me hope. Like, nobody knows who I am right now. I have, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, a, I'm in a class with Nora Roberts right now. That feels pretty goddamn good. Yeah, not a bad place to be because at some point someone's going to be like, oh, wow. Oh, wait, she has other books. <laughs> so what, what did you love about it? You know what? It, I think it, it, it was all of it. It was that, that watching that relationship and then ending on that, that, the happily ever after. And I think for me, that's always been the draw. Cause like, even when I was the romantic suspense, like I was not reading in terms of genre fiction, I was not reading things where, you know, your main character dies. <laughs> right. Know? Like, and don't get me wrong. Like I've read some of that. Like I've read some Nicholas Sparks never again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never read him. I have no like I I see the I see the um movie like the movie adaptations and I'm like, ooh, that just looks real treacly, not my thing. It, it just and, and just sad. Just like someone's gonna die. You pick up it doesn't matter. It's a love story, yeah, that's great, but someone's gonna die and no, I don't want that. Um, this is such contempt for romance the romance genre too. Like it's kind of I don't know. It's kind of like, yeah. you know, it, he, I, he's, he's better than, than all of us. Yeah. I, mean, I just, I'm always kind of like richer than all of us. I mean, with the exception of his, you know, lack of happily ever after is doesn't he sort of sit squarely in the romance realm? Um, I, why? Well, and that's just it. Is that like, that is like the one hard and fast rule of romance is that is it, you have to have yeah, you have to have the happily ever after, and he doesn't. That's probably why he doesn't, because he's so disdainful. He's like, I will <laughs> definitely never be romance. I'm going to kill everybody off. Yep. Uh-huh. But I'm going to use every single manipulative tactic to get there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So for me, it was really about, like, even those other books that I was reading, it's, you always had that relationship and the happily ever after. And I just, I guess I just didn't, I mean, again. I read all the dead white guys. People were always dying. There was not a guarantee of anything. And so it was like, wow, this is like happy. This is good. Um, and so I just, like, I just devoured books. You know, when you have a, I had a toddler and a newborn. And, you know, yeah. like, when you're there, it's just like constant, like, feeding and diapers and you're exhausted. And so, yes, it was like, oh, wait, I have to feed you again? I can read. And so I was devouring, like, one or two books a day. I was just, like, burning through them. And I mean, it went on for, you know, a couple of years <laughs> and it was really, my husband was like, you know what, it, like you're reading so many damn books. Why don't you just write one? And I your husband. Had, and he, he oh. said it totally flippantly. He did not mean anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, <laughs> he's just totally being a smart ass. Um, but I had already had these ideas in my head and I just not really knowing what to do with it. I knew nothing about like what a book was I mean you know like how many pages is a book like literally when right. when I started writing I was probably about 10,000 words in my first manuscript and I literally like emailed some rando agent on the internet and said so how many pages is a book oh did they respond to <laughs> they did they were so awesome they oh like, my god he's like actually we usually go by word count and if you're looking at a single title book you're looking at at least seventy thousand words like they were totally like that same night they they responded to my email it was awesome um and i don't know that that would happen again now because that was like way back like when i started writing you still had to mail in queries it was i was just okay at that bridge of mail versus email so okay. email was really still just like a communication versus 
here's my query, here's my stuff. Right. Um, I think that's why I got answer. Like I would not suggest people do that. (laughs) (laughs) Especially because there's so much available freely, readily available on the internet. Like back then it was just, it was just emerging as a, I mean, because this was 2006, 2007. Yeah, Um, like barely like using email professionally at that. Like I honestly think it was probably only like five years that we had been using email really professionally at that point. Exactly. And so that I think that's why it worked and I got an answer right away. But so like I really knew nothing. I didn't, I I was just writing. And needless to say that book will never see the light of day. (laughs) <laughs> but you finished it but I did and I finished it fast like I was writing it and I didn't have a laptop back then and so I was like early on I always did writing like when my kids were in activities or you know and mm-hmm. then at night I would type so I was handwriting everything and then I would type it up at night after they went to bed wow um so, but it went fast like I wrote that entire book like over the summer um but it's That's really amazing. bad so <laughs> Really, but you really still bad. have it. <laughs> I have it buried somewhere on a hard like I've I, like that was like three computers ago. Yeah, it was like an old hard drive somewhere. somewhere. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> so, so okay, so you finished your first book, and then you were was it, as, I'm guessing it was a romance. It, it was romantic suspense because again, you know, you're taught like write what you know, and that's what I knew because I had read so much. Um, and that's what I wrote and it made no sense and it was really bad. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So was it steamy? Did, was it open door, closed door? How did you um, approach this? It, it was open door because everything that I had ever read was open door. Okay. Um, even the romantic suspense, you know, like Alice and Brennan and stuff like it. So it, everything was open door. So that's just like what I figured it was supposed to be. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I wrote. I love it. You know, in a way, like, I think it's so, like, really refreshing to kind of step into writing and kind of not know. And so you end up breaking a lot of rules to a degree. And I actually think that that's really great. Sometimes, like, if it turned out well, maybe, but... No, but I mean, I think that it gave you a chance to experiment and play and realize, you know, oh, that's not working. That is working. You know, I just kind of love that when people like go into something and they go, I don't know what I'm doing, but the hell with it. I'm doing it anyway. Right. Well, that was exactly like for me. And the second manuscript I wrote was also romantic suspense. But that was by the time I, I was writing that like halfway through it, I knew it was wrong and I knew why it was wrong. Like it was not suspensey enough. I didn't have the the words for it at the time but like it was not my voice like I was trying Mm. to be a romantic suspense author but that is not my voice okay I was still figuring out my voice but so but as a reader I knew that it wasn't holding up so then I was trying to make it more suspensey and it just that one fell apart too (laughs) (laughs) so I know but you have a bunch of books under Shannon Schroeder we're talking to you as Sloan today, yes. but you do have a bunch of books under, um, under Shannon and these look like sports romance. Like, tell me about these a little bit. They're all straight up contemporary romance. Okay. Um, so after I wrote that second book and I had this idea for what I wanted to have, I knew in my head, this idea is contemporary romance. Have okay. I ever read contemporary romance? Do I know what that looks like? <laughs> um, so obviously I had read some Nora, but you know, like, Nora is good when you're a reader and you want to read things, but when you want to learn, she's not the one to learn from because Nora plays by her own rules. Yes, Nora does. <laughs> and she can. So uh, so it was like one of those things like, oh, maybe I need to figure. So 
I, I'm like, okay, who, who do I look to when I want to write contemporary romance? And so I started reading like Jenny, Jennifer Cruzy. Um, and at the time I want to say Julie James might've had one or two books out. Um, and she's a local to me author. Okay. Um, so I start like, I just dove in and started reading all the contemporary romance to kind of see like, cause I knew in my head, that's where this book was going to be. Um, but I didn't really, again, know what I was doing. <laughs> so, um, so that, so that book, but, but once I started writing it, like I knew it was like, I found my voice, like, this is where I belong. Um, and that was the, the first O'Leary's book, um, more than this, which okay. when I envisioned it, it was only going to be a trilogy and it was not the O'Leary's. It was about these two women and their friend. It was supposed to be like these three women and that was a trilogy. But halfway through that book, I'm like, oh no, man, I need to know more about these O'Leary's, man. It's a big family of six siblings and, um, and, and it just, it took off from there. And I created this neighborhood and. Um, and the neighborhood, it, it, the neighborhood is northwest side of Chicago. I, I when I envision, I envision the neighborhood that I grew up when I was young, like up until the time I was nine and we moved. And so every time I picture like the houses where these families, like I'm picturing that neighborhood. Um, so it's a it's a very Irish American neighborhood. So the families have big sibling, you know, like large numbers of siblings. So like the O'Leary's have six. Across the street, the O'Malley's they have um, they have five. They have if they have five because there's overlapping books. I had to think about that for a minute. Um, <laughs> um, um, so like that, that's two of my series right there. Um, and I'm working on a new family for that neighborhood that hopefully will come out later this year. Oh, wow. So this is still like this. Is, you have not abandoned Shannon. You're no, still. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, I just, I just one clicked more than this. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like totally ready to read this. I'm so down with this. <laughs> and, and and for me, that like no, I'm not going to abandon Shannon because that. I mean, that's my real name, so it's right. hard to abandon her. <laughs> but like for me, like I love that, like that that idea of family and all of the messiness that goes with it. So even in my other series, um, they may not be family by blood. They may be friends so like my hot and nerdy are like college age friends and I've got the daring divorcees who are all older like over 40 um I've lived life and they've come together as friends but they're family that found family thing right. is, is huge for me so yeah and I, I after writing all these other books it's been a couple of years since I've been in that neighborhood and I'm like I miss it like I miss oh. those families so oh. I have another family another couple of families that I'm introducing and I'm working on those books now that's super cool so did um did you self-publish the first ones or did you go through the gauntlet of trying um, to find an agent publisher and all of that? More, more than this um, landed me my agent and oh, wow. okay. we had, and that was right when all of the big New York publishers were like, oh wait, this ebook thing really does matter. Um, mm. And so they all started having like their own like digital first arms. Um, oh, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and so we had an offer really fast. Like we went out on submission. I want to say like November and January, right after the holidays, Kensington came back with an offer. They wanted to acquire it. Um, and, but it would be with their digital first arm, which then was back then was E Kensington. Um, since they bought out, <laughs> since they bought out lyrical and then it was lyrical, like it, yeah, things change. Um, so I, so, and I, my, 
my agent was like, but I think if we keep shopping, we could probably get a print deal. I'm like, you know what? I am debut. I am a nobody. I have zero platform. I'm not on social media. I think going digital first is a, is a good move. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me time to build and it's so low risk for the publisher. They'll stick with me. And they did. Great. <laughs> so yeah, so my first, so I did all six O'Leary's with them. Um, I did the hot and nerdy books with them. And um, then my second series or my third series with them went into math market paperback. That's the uh, for your love, which is like um, an offshoot of the O'Leary's. It's the O'Malley's that live across the street. So they wow. didn't want to name it. They did not want to name it the O'Malley's. They're like, people might get it confused. So, yeah. So I've gotten all the rights back for the O'Leary's and the hot nerdy. And so that's why they're self-published now. Got it. Okay. So your rights finally came back. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's so cool. What a wild sort of trip. I mean, it's really kind of, it's actually really unique to hear about, uh, you know, debut author who then goes on to continue publishing, you know, because they, I think that, you know, if you don't go gangbusters like a JK Rowling or something, you know, publishers are quick to drop you. Well, it's definitely now. Yeah, because oh, the, the the whole landscape for publishing has changed, and in romance especially, most of the publishers I think have kind of like given up unless they think they're unless they think, hey, this is going to we can make this big, and they're not doing mass market paperback is gone, so it's all trade, um, which is like the bigger size, um, and they're not signing like three or four books you know, like contracts, they're doing like one or two books at a time. Right. Um, and for me, like back then, like I said, like that was, I had already heard stories about people getting like big advances and then they didn't earn out. And then why would the publisher, like, they're not giving me an advance. It gives me time to build and figure it out, you know? Right. Um, so, so it was definitely a business decision on my end because I knew nothing about any of it. And I wanted that security of having, you know, an editor kind of like work with me and teach me all of that. So yeah, it it was a good path for me. That's really cool. Um, So tell me about writing your very first door open steamy scene. What was it like? I don't even know if I remember my very first thing. Um, Because, and I, for me, um, Anytime I sit down and write, even in those early books, uh, I, as I said, I always ended up writing probably places where I shouldn't have been writing sex scenes. Um, Isn't that yeah. the worst? <laughs> no, well, nothing phases me. It's just like, if you're going to be dumb enough to read over my shoulder, you got it coming. <laughs> but yeah, so I, mean- I, would, I would absolutely be writing, you know, sex scenes. Like I remember uh, sometimes I was writing, uh, I, once I actually got a laptop and I was able to just type. Like I would be sitting someplace and my daughters would be doing like, you know, like, like an art studio place where you just, they buy a couple of things and then go make a mess. Right. And I sit in the mom section and I'm just, I'm writing sex scenes and oh yeah, okay, my kids are still alive. And so, so yeah, absolutely. Was, if you're seriously, if you're going to be dumb enough to be that nosy, I don't want to hear it. Um, I, I was right in the naughty bits, like riding like commutes out of like suburban New Jersey into New York City. And I was always like, I don't know if I can do this in public. I don't know if I can do this in public. <laughs> you know, and, and it, it, the, the writing of it never bothered me because I think that for me, when I'm writing, I'm so into the scene and I'm, I'm visual that way. So like for me, it's like a movie in my head and right. I'm trying to describe what that 
looks like and like inside the character's head, whoever point of view scene it is. Um, so I don't really even pay attention to what's going on around me. So that for me, it was just another step in the process. So I don't have a problem writing them when I'm in the stage of like copy edits. Cause when I get to the copy edit stage for any book, I actually read the entire thing aloud because that's yep. where I catch like the repetitive words that I, although I already searched for the word just and found 3000 of them and I cut them, I will find other words. I'm like, how did I miss that? Or just clunky sentences and stuff. So the, when I'm reading it out loud, I don't, yeah. Like having to read the sex scenes. Yeah. That's just like, it sounds dumb to my ears when it's my voice. <laughs> I have a program that reads to me. So I run it through that because I was like, I can't read my own work. Like I can barely read it to myself to have to read it out loud. I think I'd just curl up and die. Well, my children have all learned that, that, that when I'm in here and I'm talking to myself, they better just keep on going or they might hear something they don't want to hear. <laughs> You moved from writing, you know, contemporary romance um, into your new series, which is heist romance. Yes, which is the the voice is still very much the same. And if you look at some of the reviews, people are like, so this is being marketed as romantic suspense, but it really reads like a contemporary romance. Um, mm. And that's because it's not like it's. It doesn't have that kind of dark and dangerous feel to it. Like the, the series is called Counterfeit Capers for a reason. It's very right. light and fun. Um, but for me, it was a big shift because it requires like some kind of plotting, which I can't do. Well, I mean, this is, this is, okay. So first of all, when I saw that, I was like, heist romance, this is brilliant. It reminded me of sort of like Ocean's Eleven or, you know, like I love capers and and I would love to write one, but I'm like, how, like, how do you even come up with what the heist is? Like, I mean, if I, if I was able to plot out a heist, I wouldn't be sitting here writing books. I would be a multimillionaire, you know? <laughs> yeah, so how do you do the research for that? Like, how do you do this? Well, for me, um, the, the inspiration behind this is the TV show Leverage, which I watched when it was first on air and I loved it. And then when my kids got a little bit older, like my youngest, like she would binge it. And so I'd be like, oh, wait, it's on. Let me sit and watch it again. Um, <laughs> I, I, it's a show that I love. But I was like, for me, it was always like, there. it is definitely found family. Um, they do elaborate cons. And um, you've got complexities of their relationships, which I like, but it's not always on screen kind of thing. So like there was this part of me that always thought like, what if it was leverage, but all women? Um, leverage is five, but it's two guys, or three guys and three girls and uh, two girls. Um, and I was like, but what if, and so it was like one of those things where I had notes in my little notebook of ideas and, you know, but I'm like, I can't do that because that requires plotting. And I know I can't plot like, that's just not who I am as a writer. I've tried it. I failed every which way I can't do it. I don't, so you're I a pantser. Um, I am a pantser. I do like. I do a lot of pre-writing now, though, to save myself having to chop 30,000 words and delete it and start over, um, which I had to do. It's so painful. what does that look like? Like, what, what is pre-writing? Um, for me, I start, I, for me, I always start with characters. Mm -hmm. And so I spend a lot of time with my characters. So I don't 
and I'm lazy. That's the other thing you have to know about me as a writer. So like, I am a lazy writer. So like, there are some people who will like, they'll do Myers-Briggs on their, on each character, or they fill out extensive character sheets. I use Enneagrams. Um, I did, a, I went to a workshop many years ago by, uh, given by Lori Schnebly Campbell, and she has a book on it now. But so she took Enneagrams and she kind of tweaked the uh, descriptions of each personality type to really fit romance. And it, so it's really just 10 questions per Enneagram. So it's fewer than 100 questions, but it's just like literally you go down the list and it's just like, yes, this applies to me. No, it doesn't. So I would do that for me. It takes like 15 minutes top for the, to do it for the hero and the heroine. Like I said, I'm lazy, so I like things fast. So I kind of figure out what are their personality types. Um, and then I kind of, I write that out for myself. And then I let them play in my head a little bit. I always create a playlist for each book. And that it takes a lot of time. Like I listen to so many different songs and like what is the feel of the book and what fits these characters. Um, and then I, so I develop that. And once I have that, then I drive my family crazy because I listen to it like nonstop. So every time <laughs> my kids get in the car, they're like, oh, my God, again. Um, <laughs> because as that music's playing, I'm thinking characters. Yeah. Um, I do um, I do collages. So I like placeholder characters, like, you know, famous people or whatever to be these characters and quotes and things like that. And I have that up on my bulletin board above my desk. Um, but I will spend weeks just really listening to the soundtrack and I might take notes about some certain scenes that I, that I envision for the book. Um, and I'll write those down, but I don't, I've never been able to plot like the few times I've actually plotted out a book, then I didn't write the book. Oh, interesting. Like, yeah. So it's just, it's just not for me. Um, so I just spend a lot of time with those characters in my head and I get to know them really well. So that when I sit down and I start writing and when I'm doing all that listening, like I said, I do have ideas like, oh, that's a scene that's going to be pivotal or, you know, so I do like, I have those ideas of, like, where is this going? Like, what's the purpose? Why are they together? Why are they not together? And I kind of let that play and, and mess around in my head and I start writing. And even the notes that I take in my notebook of scenes that might happen, a lot of times I don't. <laughs> That's why I don't plot. Um, but they're there. So if I ever get stuck and I'm like, hmm, did I make some crazy notes three months ago? Oh, yeah. Look at, oh, that scene might work. And then I, you know, and then sometimes I pull things back out. Um, so, yeah. So for me, that pre-writing is really just really, really getting to know my characters because I learned um, through a, a revision class that I was doing um, many years ago. And I was writing the second O'Leary's book. Um, that was the book that I, I hate. Um, I love the characters. I hate the book because it killed me. Like I literally, I wrote half the book and had to delete almost all of it. Wrote two thirds oh, of it again and had to write and had to, you know, cut about another half. Um, it, it wasn't right. It wasn't working. And it wasn't working ultimately because I was breaking my character. I kept saying the character is doing is this way. This is who this character is. But then she wasn't acting that way. Um, Basically, she was a very flighty character, and Shannon is not very flighty. So she mm. didn't her being practical, and that's why it wasn't working. Um, so I had to, I'm like, I have to learn my characters more. So once I learned to do that, writing became much easier, and I no longer have to write, you know, 30,000 words and then delete them. What a fascinating um, process, because that sounds kind of close to mine, but I don't think, I think I, 
kind of like you are talking about with like with your second book, like I don't let myself go too far with that because I am like, no, you need to plot. And I'm not like, I don't do well plotting. I will plot something. And then, you know, I'm into it five chapters and I've already gone off someplace. <laughs> exactly. That's why I don't plot. Cause it's, yeah. it doesn't work. So I'm, I'm actually finding this very fascinating and I'm like, Ooh, taking notes. And I'm like, I have to get this book. And you know, cause I have wanted to use Enneagrams, but I just, you know, it's like, I was like, well, no, you need to plot. No, no. <laughs> uh, for me, it's like once I, once I figured out this process that works for me, and sometimes I can take shortcuts. Like when I wrote my hat and Ernie novellas, there were 30,000 words. I didn't create playlists for those. Um, I didn't really even do a full like collage because I knew that I was going to write them in like a month. Right. <laughs> you know? um, so, so I can take shortcuts um, sometimes depending on what I'm doing, but it's still about really knowing those characters. Um, and once I found that process and like, this is what works for me, I always just go back to that. So anytime I'm stuck in a book and I say, okay, what's, what would these people have to do? I always go back to what are their personalities? Cause that's going to dictate mm. how they're going to react or how they're going to act in any situation. So for your heist then to go back to that, what did you end up doing in terms of, because you, you do have to come up with the caper. Um, I wrote myself into the corner a few times. Oh, um, <laughs> what friends are for. Um, so I, again, for me, I still started with characters. So I created um, my team. Um, so I, I knew going in that they're, me and Jared are cousins and their fathers were indicted for, um, for fraud, various types of fraud for running a Ponzi scheme. They, they built people out of millions. And so I knew that Mia, she's the driving force behind everything. She's the mastermind. She, like, she wants some kind of revenge. She, like, she is just mad. Um, and, and so from the time her, her fathers were, her father and uncle were indicted, they fled the country. Um, it's five years. So our books actually take place five years later because she has to wait for her inheritance from her mother's side of the family so that she can fund her operation. So for okay. five years, she's been kind of plotting like what she wants to do. And all of her father's friends all benefited from the scheme. They're, they're mm. not indicted. They don't have to pay for anything. Like nobody's looking at them. And so she's like, I'm going to steal from them. I'm going to steal from them and I'm going to embarrass it because I'm not going to walk in and, and steal. I'm going to steal artwork, replace it with a forgery. So when they think they're going to go sell something, they're going to look like idiots. Um, and so that's, that's kind of like where the idea came from. It's like, okay. you know, wanting that kind of revenge that, that, and she, then of course, when they sell it, they use those profits to, um, anonymous, anonymously, um, pay back the victims. Okay. So, okay. so you've got a Robin Hood thing going on. Um, so for me, it's like once I had those characters and I knew who they were, then it became, and that first book really was an experiment for me because I didn't really plot it out. I just knew like, okay, this is, they need to steal. They need to replace something with forgery. And then I just started thinking about what kinds of problems are they going to run into? Mm. So the first book really is like the first half is just trying to figure out that first caper, that first heist. Um, and it ends up being very caperish because you have people who are not used to working with others. They don't right. play nicely with others. They, they all work alone. Right. And now they're forced to work together. So it's like, you know, they, they each want to do things their own way. And so they learning to work together as a team 
um, is really what, what ends up happening, what comes out of the first book. So there are two heists in the book. So the first one, they're successful, obviously, with both of them. Otherwise, we would not have a series. <laughs> but um, the first one really goes haywire. The second one, just a little bit less haywire, but it, it, but it works. And okay. it's about getting them out of their comfort zone and um, doing what they normally wouldn't do to make things happen. So, um, so it was, it was hard for me because like I said, I, there were times when I did, I wrote myself into a corner. I'm like, okay, well I got to have this happen, but I don't know how, cause it would just be dumb. <laughs> you know? I can't just say it's got to go this way because. You know? <laughs> so, so did you research like, like famous heists? You know, when I saw that it was like stolen artwork, I immediately thought about the, um, Isabel Stewart Gardner Museum yes. heist in Boston. Which, by the way, there is a Netflix yes. documentary, which is awesome on it. Yes, um, I have not watched it yet, but because, you know, I grew up in New England, and so that was a really big deal when that happened. <laughs> um, it, the, 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 um, the documentary is really good, because I did just watch it recently. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I did. I, you know, went to the library, and I checked out some books about, you know, heists and forgeries, and did lots of, like, that kind of research online to learn about mm -hmm. famous things. Um, and then of course, you know, I got to watch, I rewatched Leverage and I watched the Italian job and I watched all the oceans movies, mm. you know? So it was like, it was, it was watching all of those kinds of things. Um, again, not just for, Hey, this is really cool, but how was it put together? Right. You know, how, how do we know we want to get from A to B, but in between those two, there's a lot of steps. Um, and how do I translate that? I mean, you look at a lot of them, like, you look at, um, leverage and the oceans movies, they always like, they get you to be, and then they show you a flashback of how they got there a lot of times. And so I'm like, okay, well, how do I write that flashback? Not as a flashback, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like I have to put all those steps in order. So, yeah. So, so there was that level of plotting for me and that I had to like, really kind of think about like how is this going to happen? How are they going to fix this? How are they going to overcome this obstacle? Um, which was hard, but then it was like, I gave myself the freedom to just be wacky with it. Like, so it's not total slapstick, but yeah, they're like, as they're starting to work together as a team, they go, they go way overboard, make things way more complicated than they need to be because they, again, they're not used to working together. Right. Um, you know, and, and the thief, Nikki, she's like, look, people, like, I walk in and I walk out with the prize. I don't give a fuck. Like, you're making, you're like, you want me to do all these other steps. And so I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> Which is very, like, that's the way she is throughout the entire series. Like, that, that, that kind of, like, I'm just, I will walk out right in front of people with it. I don't care. Um, so, but trying to cover all those bases to keep secrets and, and keep people hidden, you know, keep me and Jared hidden and, I mean, there's just lots of lies and secrets going on and everything gets more convoluted than, than, than most people would want it to be. Um, I mean, I think, I think this is kind of like really interesting because yeah, like heists are complicated like that. Like, and you do have to, and there's a, it seems like there's a lot of balls in the air, not only as the writer, but for the characters. So how do you keep the romance level, you know, the romance in there to me, you know, I could imagine, you know, that easily being lost. Um, and it, and it was absolutely like, I, when I wrote, I, and I'm, I'm a very linear writer. Like I write from page one to page 300. Right. Um, occasionally I might skip one scene and then like write another scene and then come back to it and then decide either I need to write the scene or it doesn't belong there. And don't worry about it. Um, but I'm, I, I can't jump around kind of thing. But when it came to this, 
I absolutely, although the, the romance was always there, it was very, very shaky for the first, mm. on, on the first go round because I was really, because I was so worried about getting the heist wrong that I, that that's where I put all my energy in figuring out what that needed to look like. And then I went through and said, okay, now let's look at the relationship and how is the relationship working in the context of all of this other crap that's going on, you know, because it's not just a straight up, Hey, I mean, yeah. you're cute. Let's like each other. Right. <laughs> you know, there's, there's, so it was, it really was, it was about looking at not just, Ooh, I have pants feelings. Let's screw around. Um, there's some of that, but then it's complicated by all of the other exterior stuff, which I'm not really used as a writer used to dealing with all of that exterior stuff. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was, it, that was one of those things that just happened through, you know, second draft stage after I had the, the plot pretty well done. Then I went back and said, okay, now let's just look at the relationship piece. Wow. Did a lot change because you realized that something needed to happen you know, something needed to happen to make the relationship move forward that necess- that maybe w- wasn't able to because of the plot points you had already written in? Um, not lots. Um, okay. Because for me, it was really about using those plot points in the heist um, to complicate the relationship. So I already had, so I had them there. I just had to like kind of feed in like what, what was the impact of those plot points? Got it. Um, and I will say that like the first book, uh, Jared and Audrey, um, they were the hardest of the because th- all three books are done. Um, they were the hardest relationship to write, um, mostly because, like I said, the, the whole book is about the, these people all coming together. Uh, the other two books were the relationships were far easier for me mm-hmm. to tackle. It was like, yeah, Jared and Audrey, Audrey were hard. Well, I imagine it's just because it's the first heist book you're you're writing too yeah. like I'm, I imagine that has everything to do with it really you know <laughs> yeah there's there a lot there's a lot there yeah yeah and I also find like you know for like in my series I'm going through this right now where I have four books and I feel like there there was so much set up in the books about the other characters like the characters that follow through and now sort of I'm on to my fifth one and I'm like wow I don't think I've spent as much time with these characters as I did with the other characters so this is much harder for me to write now yeah yeah definitely yes you know so you also have that part where you've spent time with the characters and you know in the first book so you, you it, it does get a little bit easier if you if you're able to do that right because they're established you know who they are and you kind of you get it yeah yeah oh my god I love this I I'm like so I'm so excited but I I mean is that are you like kind of ground breaking ground in this genre because I feel like I don't know of any heist romances um, there are some because I read them again, part of research. Right. Um, the one, a, a lot of them that I read, um, Lauren Blakely has one, the Sapphire Heist, the Blue Sapphire Heist, something like that. Um, Tamara Morgan has the Penelope Blue series. Okay. Um, and I want to say that for those, a lot of times they end up being like written in like first person, mm-hmm. which is not something I can do. Um, I'm definitely a third person past writer. Okay. Um, and so I did not see a lot of, and it's not that they don't exist. Um, they do. You just kind of dig around for them. Um, smart bitches, uh, back in 2018 did a, a rec league 
um, where they're like, hey, we want heist romances. Um, and so that I, I went back in through that thread to find some to read. So I wouldn't say that I'm necessarily breaking ground. I, I'm hoping that, that more people will write more of it because I, I think there are a lot of people out there like me who want more of it. Mm-hmm. Um, because they're like, ooh, heist romance. I mean, I hear that a lot when I'm like, it's a heist romance. Ooh, wait, heist romance. Well, I think, I think, you know, and um, you're seeing less of it, but I think that the w- one of the sort of, I don't know if you, the evolution, let's call it the evolution of romance, is we're moving from, you know, female ma- main characters who are kind of like, you know, they, they don't really have high-powered jobs. Maybe they're waitresses. Mm-hmm. Maybe they're retail clerks. You know, they're not, you know... And it's always the men that are in these high powered positions and kind of almost quote unquote, save the women. And I, and I love writing women who have their own agency, who have their own high powered careers, who have these things that the men typically have in their books. And I feel like heist romance really like lends itself to that part of things that I love. Oh, absolutely. And that was part of why I wanted to, to do like an all female crew. Like, okay, Mm -hmm. so there's Jared. He's the token man. Um, he's, got, he's got money. I mean, that that's part of why he's there. He's got money. Um, he's a negotiator, so like he does handle the sale of everything. Um, not that Audrey couldn't, because hello, she hangs out on the dark web. She could have. Um, so he really is like the token man. But I really, for me, wanted to have this group of women who were at the top of their field. Yeah. I mean, as shady as their fields are, you know. Um, <laughs> That they, that they are really good at what they do. Yeah. And it was just, it, that piece was just fun, even though there's a lot of fumbling and, and messiness along the way, like I said, because they're used to working alone. Now I have to deal with this other person and, and how what I do impacts this other person. Um, and gee, I kind of like her too. So <laughs> they become friends. Um, yeah. So, so that for me was a big part of it. And, um, and I'll tell you that when they first, uh, the trailers and the announcement for Oceans 8 first came out, I was like, mm. that's my idea. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I hadn't written anything yet. It was just a note in a notebook. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's like, I like that, that you have this group of women who can totally do every bit of what the guys could do and, and do it spectacularly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's, I want to, I want to dig into your intimate scene. Um, it's from, it takes a thief, which is book one. Can you set this up for us? Um, so Jared and Audrey, they have worked together online for months. Um, always flirty banter via messaging. Um, so they've been working together face to face now trying to get this first heist out of the way. Um, they, shared a couple of kisses they messed around in a car once when he went to drive her home um where she ended up happy but he did not um i'll just leave that there um (laughs) and so it it, so hanging over them has been this we have some unfinished business kind of thing but they're still trying to plot this heist so uh nikki the thief has run into problems with how am I going to make this swap without anybody knowing that this painting has been swapped? And so they're kind of troubleshooting and making things up. And so the team is kind of split. So Nikki is hanging out with the forger, trying to figure out problems with the frame. Um, and Audrey has come back to the apartment that is their headquarters to try and figure out how to get her more time before the alarm in the house goes off. 
Okay. And Jared is with her. And so like she's running in circles and she's frustrated. So he suggests they take a break and they're going to play video games together. And she's like, oh yeah, fine. Let's play video games. Cause of course she's a girl and what does she know? Um, and so they, they place a bet and he's like, okay, for every dude I kill, you have to take off an article of clothing. And, and she's like, yeah, what do I get? And he's like, and she's like, oh, cause she wants money. Cause she's always broke. Um, and so she's like, you pay me a hundred dollars for every, every guy I kill. So, um, she, so they end up playing and she has to, the, or by the time she takes off her clothes, like what she lost, like, she, and she's very strategic. It's like shoes, socks, bra, pants. So she's still covered, you know? Right. Um, and so then it's like, you know, that was my break. I'm going to go back to work kind of thing. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, oh no, honey, I don't think so. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so for them, um, so so they go to the bedroom. But the thing is, at this point, um, actually, for the three quarters of the book, um, they um, there's still a lot of lies and secrets, and for obvious reasons, like she does not know Jared's name is Jared. She calls him Jay. She knew him online as Mr. Green as an alias. Mm. Um, she goes by the name Data because that's her hacker name. Um, so that so there's a lot of and they just have an agreement you know like we have our secrets and that's fine we can still have a good time together kind of thing um but for her you know like she's she's ready to like jump on him on the couch and he's like oh wait a minute there's a bedroom and so for her it starts to make it very real like right. that's like an actual bed that's like <laughs> that's like intimacy versus getting off you know yeah. um and so she wants it, but she's very leery because that's going to require, you know, a, a level of vulnerability that she doesn't give up. You know, right. like she keeps people at a distance. She is very much a loner um, and she likes him. And so, yeah, so that that's kind of where we are when um, we get to the scene in the bedroom. Okay. So we are, I think, I think they might be on the couch still at this point oh yeah i think i think the scene that yeah. i gave you is right before yeah uh, it's he, like he leads right, her to the bedroom yeah it's right before so okay so i'm just gonna get started they touched and nipped and sucked at each other and then jay suddenly broke away this isn't going to do what she asked breathlessly her body throbbed with need sitting on a couch when nikki might come in I want to spread you out and enjoy myself. He stood, dislodging her from his lap and holding her steady as she got her legs under her. What do you suggest we do? There's a spare bedroom, remember? Bed. That made it seem like they were gonna they would spend the night together, which was way more than she'd bargained for. He pulled her by the hand toward the room. He stroked the inside of her palm with his thumb, gentle circles. While logically, she knew it shouldn't have an effect on her in reality, little zings of pleasure zipped up her arm. Inside the room, he closed and locked the door behind them and removed his shirt. She stepped back and watched him undo his belt. Something about the action fascinated her, maybe because she couldn't remember the last man she had sex with who wore a suit. She hadn't known that guy well enough to stand and ogle him. Jay? He just smirked as his pants hit the floor. As much as she might not want to give him the satisfaction, he had reason to smirk. She whipped, off, whipped her shirt off and he closed the small distance between them. He trailed kisses over her neck and down to her breasts, pausing to suck each nipple into a stiff peak. She ran her fingers through his short, dark hair, looking to hold on to something, anything. 
please tell me you have a condom, she whispered. He grunted and stepped away. For a moment, she thought it was over. Then he held up his pants, offering her a look that said he couldn't believe she asked. He fished a condom from his pocket. I've been carrying one with me since the first time we kissed. So in your head, this was inevitable? Absolutely. (laughs) He's so cocky. (laughs) Yes, he is. I'm like, you know, that tells me everything that I kind of need to know about him. I was wondering, at what point in the book is this? Where, like, how, where are we here? Um, this is, I want to say, probably at about the halfway point. Maybe okay. A little bit before the halfway point. So okay. um, it, things happen pretty quickly after this. I mean, not between them, but like heist-wise. Okay. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, so they they figure things out, um, and um, once like right before they're ready to go for the heist, she figures out who he is, and she it, and it pisses her off. Okay. Um, so so I want to say this is probably about the halfway. I didn't actually clock it when I gave you that scene. So okay. No, I was just kind of curious because I was like, oh my god, like like this is so that told me everything about him and just that little bit, you know? And I was like, that's really cool. Like he is a cocky mofo. Yes, he is <laughs> very much so, but she, she gets even, um, because when they're done, she like pops out of bed, like, Oh my gosh, I have it. And like up out of bed. And he's like, what the hell was that? <laughs> She's like later. <laughs> yeah, that was about it. She's like, Hey man, you said taking a break would be good inspiration. And it was, um, <laughs> Look at you being right and all. <laughs> okay, reading a bit more. Get on the bed, he said sharply, the command putting her back up. But as he stalked closer, she did it. Not because she felt she had to, but she wanted to see what awaited her for doing so. She lay down and he followed, trailing open mouth kisses up her body. He slowly dragged his fingers through her slick heat before circling her clit. Her brain fogged over in a haze of lust and pleasure. She vaguely recognized the sound of the condom wrapper. Then he hovered over her close to her face. Open your eyes. She hadn't even realized she'd closed them. Forcing her lids up, she stared into his stormy dark eyes. What's your name? She felt him pressing at her opening, and she was close. She wanted this, needed it. Why? He gripped her chin in a firm but gentle way. Because I like to know who I'm having sex with. You know who. You're right, I know you, but I want a real name. She debated briefly. Am I supposed to believe you haven't told Nikki your name? I don't think you've been this close with her, have you? The head of his dick prodded her, rubbing up and down, keeping her on edge. He bumped her clit and she almost whimpered. That's different. How? Nikki and I are... She didn't know how how else to explain the weird, cautious trust they shared. We're alike. We're criminals. She used the word even though she rarely felt like a criminal. She was simply doing her job. She didn't consider the right or the wrong of it. And I'm not. We're stealing a freaking painting together. It's not like us and you, you're not like us and you know it. Her chest rose and fell, barely touching on his, touching his on each inhale. The hair on his chest offered an additional point of pleasure. And that means I'm not entitled to at least know your name when I'm going to be inside you, fucking you, hearing you scream my name. Her blood pounded as he spoke. Part of her worried he might walk away, and she didn't want that. She didn't even know why she was holding out. In that moment, looking into his eyes, she felt like it was okay to trust him. It was just a first name, after all. So she whispered, Audrey. Oh, 
gosh, I was wondering if she was going to tell them. <laughs> I was like, will she, will she, will she? Like, is this, and, I, and then I was kind of like, I mean, would this be a deal breaker? If she was like, nah, you know? <laughs> um, we kind of already talked about the whole gender, gender reversal. Cause this was something that I like really like w- was kind of like really into with this and that, that idea of having, you know, a female thief. Um, Cause again, you know, I, I feel like, it's kind of novel even now. Um, and it's kind of interesting how she is letting her guard down in the bedroom, which makes sense. Um, and, and being vulnerable, which was very, like you had said, the, the very thing that she feared. Yes. And, and it definitely, it comes back like the next day to bite her in the ass. Um. <laughs> but she's so calculating about how much she, of her vulnerability she's going to expose, you know, which I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like if you were a thief, you would totally do this. Right. And, and it's just like for her, because she is so private, um, I mean, and, and he's right. Like Nikki had her name like day one, <laughs> like they were having pizza or Chinese or something. And she's like, look, I cannot call him you the robot from Star Trek. It's like, no, it's from Goonies. So like they, they like share like because Nikki's Nikki, like she 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 doesn't use a fake name. That's just who she is. Um, so Nikki had her name early on. Um because they feel like, like I said, that they have the, this trust because they're the same. Right. Um, and she, she's just not sure how much she can trust him. And of course, he, he proves that maybe she should have withheld her name a little bit longer. <laughs> but we have a happily ever after. Yeah, yes, we do. Yeah. <laughs> okay, last little bit. Last little bit. He reached under her knee and lifted her leg. He slid into her, saying her name. It was barely more than the whisper she had given him, low and close to her ear. The sound sent a chill down her spine. Jay was fully seated in her, filling her, but not moving. Her blood pounded through her veins. She needed the release he'd promised. Wrapping her legs around his waist, she bucked her hips. All he offered in return was a slow guide out of her. He was tormenting her, so she slapped his ass. We don't have all night. I don't need all night, not this time anyway, but I'm not rushing either. He grabbed her right leg and pulled it up on his shoulder. Then he sank deeper and rocked. He braced above her, propped on his arms, muscles flexing as he created a slow, torturous rhythm that felt so damn good. He shifted again and lowered his mouth back to her nipple and sucked on the stiff point. She saw stars. For the first time in a long time, Audrey was on the receiving end of being cared for, and the realization clogged her throat. Oh my God, this was super hot. And then this final moment where it's like her feelings were exp- like, just for that, like she really exposed her feelings here. Um, yeah. You know, like the realization clogged her throat. Like she's, she's starting to let herself go and she's starting to let herself kind of melt into this man. And I was really curious what happens to her and to them you know, now that she has this realization, is she going to go all, oh shit, and pull back? Is she going to continue to cautiously move forward? Like, I'm like, oh, what is she going to do next? Well, she's very, um, like I said, she for her in this moment, like she tries to push the thought away, like, because she was totally fine with like, Let, let's just screw and we're good and it will be a physical release. And, um, but we, we see for her that this is more at this, in this moment. Um, and it freaks her out, mm. of course. Um, and, and so after this, um, 
he basically wants to, you know, hang out in bed for a little bit. And she teases him about what you're a snuggler. Um, but, <laughs> and then, so like, she gets her idea and she jumps out of bed. And, and so there's some more kind of like joking, um, like we're, we're, she's back in, on even footing at that, you know, like the, right. the joking and the banter she can do the, the soft and vulnerable. She's not really good at. Um, but it's one of those things that as she's getting ready to go back to work, she's like, you can't use my name. You cannot let other people know that you know my name. And he's like, well, why not just a name? And he's like, because then they'll know. They'll know we fucked. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, so and, and sure enough, then, you know, part of what leads to that black moment of her kind of like unraveling things um, is his disregard for that request. Mm. Um, and, and he doesn't do it maliciously, you know, because once he's there, like that's now how he thinks of her, like she's Audrey. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so that, that, that right there, that one point of vulnerability um, really starts in motion. What ends up being the, the unraveling of the secrets and lies. Amazing. Oh my God, this was so cool. I love a good heist book. So I'm I'm excited to read this one all the way through. <laughs> well, I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so what do we, okay, so April 27th was when It Takes a Thief came out and Counterfeit, came, uh, I'm sorry, Between Two Thieves, which is the second book, this is the Counterfeit Caper series, comes out June 29th correct? Yes. That's Nikki's book. Cool. How many total do you, are you writing? Um, there are three. Um, that's what Karina has contracted. Okay. Um, so the three women, um, Audrey, Nikki and Mia each get okay. their own book. Um, London, the forger. Um, my plan is to write a Christmas novella that will be hers that I'll self publish in the fall. Not that oh. I've started it. Not that I have any idea really what it's going to be. <laughs> but that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. <laughs> so when do you know when book three will come out? It's August twenty fourth. Oh wow! So these are in pretty quick succession. Yeah, yeah. That, that was the Karina's plan when they contracted them. Was since I already had like the first book was done, and I was more than halfway through writing the second book. Um, you know, they looked at the calendar and said, "Hey, what do you think about doing a semi-rapid release? Not like you know." back-to-back -back months but to you know every other month and I'm like sounds good to me oh that's fantastic how have readers responded to because I mean this is a very different heroine I think than we're used to seeing again like I, th I think we're only now just starting to let our female you know female main characters kind of be the thief or be the power woman in the boardroom and and so I'm kind of curious has was there any pushback on that or were they happy to see it um, people are happy, um, like as, as an author, and I know a lot of authors like don't read the reviews. Right. Um, I do. I'm a glutton for punishment that way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for the most part, I have thick skin and, you know, like some people like DNF my book and, you know, you do you, that's fine. I don't care. Right. Um, but it, it's definitely some validation on my part when I started seeing the reviews come in and people were like, Hey, this was like, I felt like I was reading the Italian job or this was so much like leverage. If you like, leverage. I'm like, that's what I was going for. Thank you. Oh, excellent. <laughs> Very cool. So yes, like um, and absolutely. I would say that, that so many people um, fell in love with Nikki, <laughs> which, like, cause she does, she's one of those characters that like, 
it's like chapter and she might be chapter one like when she comes like she bursts on the page and like she like steals the scene because she's hilarious right. um and so people are like i can't wait for nikki's book i'm like i loved writing nikki's book <laughs> <laughs> i mean audrey you're cool and all but nikki's fun <laughs> did you do your character your deep dive character work um on all of the women bef- like even before the first book was written or did you sort of I say did. that you I, did? Okay. I, I, I did the entire I did the entire team um so I did all five of them um and then when I got to writing book two and I'm like okay who the heck am I putting with Nikki um <laughs> Um, it, 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 like I had an idea when I, when I was writing book one and, you know, sometimes I would love to say that there was some brilliant plotting involved. Um, but sometimes I just write something in a book and then later, later on I go back, I'm like, Oh, that's it. That's the link to where I'm going with the next book. Um, and it's totally accidental. It's like something subconscious working. (laughs) I don't question it. I just let it go. Um, but yeah, so I knew that in like Nikki's pairing would be her ex um, coming back. So it's two thieves after the same painting. Oh, nice. So Ooh, so like so that. then I did, so I had to do my deep dive. Like, okay, who was this guy? What split them up? Why is he an ex? Where is he now? And so that so I did all of that like right before I was writing that book because I already knew who Nikki was because I already done that like work. Oh my god. Fabulous. That sounds awesome. Okay. So Sloan, where can readers find you on the internet? Sloan hangs out mostly on Instagram. (laughs) Where does Shannon hang out? Uh, uh, Shannon hangs out um, on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. I'm on Twitter as both. So my Twitter handle has, is at S Schroeder underscore because Shannon Schroeder is too freaking long for Twitter. Oh, um, of course. But my is. name, but it does say Shannon Schroeder slash Loan Steel. Got um, it. So yeah, yeah, so I so those are the places. Or you just go to my website. You can either go to SloanSteel.com or ShannonSchroeder.com and you'll find all the information for all the places because again, <laughs> I'm lazy, so I don't really pretend to be two people. And I will have links to all of this in the show notes. Well, Sloan, thank you so much for doing this. It was really fun to talk about heists. It was. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Sign up to get email alerts when a new one goes live at lgreco.rocks. And don't forget to five-star us on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. See you next time.